Hi, Mike Gibson, Renato Lopez coming to you live from ACC 2017. Renato uh, DeJoxon uh, has a long storied history uh, and you did a fascinating study looking not just at DeJoxon use but DeJoxon levels within the Aristotle study and outcomes. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, so thanks Mike for having me here. <clears throat> As you know, DeJoxon has been around for many, many years and in the last few years it became a really controversial topic because some studies showing increased mortality, some studies did not show that. And so, some studies showing reduced rehospitalization with digoxin. Correct. So some Particularly in the, in the setting of heart failure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But in the setting of AFib, of atrial fibrillation, we really don't have a lot of data. Mm -hmm. And we don't have randomized data. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so taking advantage of the Aristotle trial, um, we, we our objective was to look at that in more details because mm -hmm. we have detailed collection of data on concomitant medications. Mm -hmm. uh, and uniquely, we had a biobank, a, bio, uh, a biomarker substudy mm -hmm. that allow us to look at the levels right. of the joxin. Right. So we did two main analyses. The first analysis was the baseline analysis, so patients already taking the joxin. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that, after adjusting, we did not find an overall association with increased mortality. They had survived to ondejoxin. Correct. To that point. Yeah. There is a survival bias intrinsic mm -hmm. to this analysis. So, but then, okay, when we look at the levels, dejoxin mm -hmm. serum concentration, we found a gradient of risk hmm. in patients where dejoxin levels were less than 0 0.9. There was no increased risk of death. Mm -hmm. Between 0 0.9 and 1.2, there was a 16% increase, but not significant. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And above 1.2, hmm. there was one. a 58% increased risk, or 56% increased risk wow. of death. Wow. Then, instead of cutting, uh, decodomizing the data, we look at it as a continuous variable. Correct, yes. And then we found a 19% increase risk of death for each 0.5 nanograms per ml increase in the joxin concentration. Wow, wow. And the death, what kind of death was this? So the main causes of those deaths were sudden deaths, mm -hmm. followed by heart failure death. These were responsible for about 80% of the deaths. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, the contrarian could argue that as you got sicker with heart failure, your dose of digoxin was increased to improve your symptoms, and it Correct. was really the digoxin dosing was just a marker of how sick you were. Correct. And interesting, mm -hmm. Mike, because you're absolutely right, heart failure is such an important subgroup. We look at patients with and without heart failure, mm -hmm. and the results were exactly the same. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then to take away the survivor bias that you just mm -hmm. mentioned, we look at the incidence analysis, or right. in other words, new users. Correct. So we use propensity matching to try to get closer to randomization. Mm -hmm. Of course, impossible, mm -hmm. but the closer that we can get. Mm -hmm. So we look at patients starting digoxin versus those who never did. Mm -hmm. And that analysis show a 78% increase in the risk of death hmm. in patients starting digoxin. Similar results in patients with heart failure mm. and even higher risk in patients without heart failure mm. with a two-fold increased risk of death. Wow, wow. And again, were these mostly sudden cardiac deaths? Uh, sudden death. So we look specifically at sudden death. And when we look at sudden death, then the results were even more surprising and impressive because there was a four-fold increase in the risk of sudden death in patients starting digoxin versus those who did not start. Interesting. And most of these events happening in the first six months of the joxin initiation. 
And how do you know it wasn't, again, an escalation or progression in the underlying disease process that caused the use of the digoxin, and the digoxin use is just a marker of disease progression? So <clears throat> we can never answer this question for sure because this was not randomized. Sure. But we were able to adjust for all clinical variables, mm -hmm. lab, mm -hmm. clinical setting where digoxin was initiated. So I think mm -hmm. that was very important. If digoxin was uh, initiated in the hospital for heart failure, or in the hospital for other things, mm -hmm. or out of the hospital, we took that into consideration in our adjusted models. How about region? Because we don't, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but we don't see a lot of digoxin use in my neck of the woods. Was there differences around the world in who was using digoxin? Correct, that's a great question. And again, in our propensity matching, we, we did take into account region, region. Mm -hmm. heart failure, mm -hmm. status, and clinical setting where digoxin was initiated, because these were really the important things. And, and, of, and you're absolutely right, um, East Asia, um, South America, and East Europe as the main country, the main regions yes. uh, where digoxin is more commonly used. Yes, yeah. So these were taken into account in our models. Well, I remember back when I was young and an intern and giving lots of dig, pushing dig, and using dig in a lot of patients, but Correct. it really has dramatically dropped down in use these days. Are there any patients who should be getting digoxin in 2017 after this data as well as all the other? So I think the clinical implication of our study, Mike, is that um, in the lack of randomized trial, and mm -hmm. that's a concern, I don't know if this data will ever come. Sure. Based on this data, I think that in, generally, in general, uh, digoxin should be not prescribed for patients with AFib, yeah. particularly if we can control the symptoms with other medications. Yeah. But for those patients where there is no other option, and, and physicians are, feel that you need to keep the joxin. So patients are already taking, so you're not starting. Mm -hmm. So patients are already taking the joxin, and physicians feel that it's important as part of the regimen. Mm -hmm. I think the message from our studies that monitoring might be important, mm -hmm. targeting a, a blood level less than 1.2, and that's the novel aspect as well of our, our, our study. So use it as a last resort, and if you're going to use it, monitor the levels, stay below that 1.2. That's right. Excellent. Correct. Renato, thanks for coming by today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Mike. And thanks to all of you for joining us here live from ASC, ACC, ACC 2017.